Ronananian. They do it so bad, it takes five and a half months, and they develop a customer that'll never go back there and put another stink on a business that, well, it sort of smells like New Jersey at low tide, and I can say that. I live in New Jersey. The Car Doctor. I'm really surprised at what's in this industry. You, you think it's getting better, and then you see a vehicle like this, and you say, why? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. All I could think about last night, lying in bed, getting ready for this radio show, was that line from Animal House at the end when Stephen first sits there at the end with the parade, and he's going, oh boy, this is great. And that's really how I feel about today's show. Hello and welcome, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. You know all that. You're a regular listener. You're new. Welcome. Glad to have you. And I'm rushing because I want to get right into it today. Two cars. First time in a while we've had two cars like this at the shop that just absolutely epitomize what it takes to fix cars in this industry and also what's wrong with this industry. First car, 2008 Hyundai. Hyundai Tucson V6 that had a whining noise for three years. Poor little old lady driving it was, as she said, just out of her mind. She couldn't take it anymore. She had been everywhere. Everybody had looked at it, done everything to it, tried everything. The list is long and frustrating. The dealer put a timing belt in it. Didn't fix it. She still had to pay for the timing belt. They told her it would fix it, but... It did not, and she laid out a good bunch of money for something that didn't solve her problem. Another repair shop took a look at it. They took a stab at it. They hung an alternator on it. Yet another repair shop took a stab at it, hung a power steering pump on it. One repair shop came close in the sense of a diagnostic routine. They washed out the power steering reservoir because there's a bulletin from Hyundai that talks about if they have any kind of moan or whine or externally loud noise related to power steering or related to engine operation. Perhaps the power steering reservoir is restricted, making that noise. None of them fixed the car. Car showed up on my doorstep, ended up at RA Automotive this past Monday, and um, Harry, uh, was who's helping me at the shop, took it in. And um, after assuring them that I could fix anything from this car to that car to a Boeing 747, as Harry likes to do, uh, I, I felt the pressure was on, so I better come up with a solution. I looked at the customer, and I said, well... Did anybody ever take the belt off as part of their diagnosis? And she looked at me and she said, why would they do that? And I said, well, let me just just leave the car. Wrote her up for a 156 diagnosis, and away I went. First thing I did, yeah, verify the complaint. Yeah, the car has a all the time. Took the SERP belt off, the serpentine belt, the one belt that drives everything, alternator power steering, air conditioning. Guess what? The noise is gone. Well, now we're down to it's either the power steering pump, the alternator, or the air conditioner. This wasn't too hard to figure out. Two other shops had replaced the alternator and the power steering pump. That left me with the air conditioner. Okay, there was a tensioner and a tensioner pulley, and that sounded absolutely perfectly fine. And you'd spin everything, and everything was nice and quiet. It sounded like this. And then when you spun the air conditioning compressor, it sounded like this. That kind of hurts my throat when I do that. I don't think I can do that anymore. 
guess what? You need an AC compressor. And an AC compressor and $1,000 later, guess what? Your car is fixed. But why didn't the other shop try to take the belt off first? Why did they just start changing parts? And why did the dealership put a timing belt on it? And how come nobody could figure this out? And do you know I've been driving this car for three years and I felt like Bill Cosby in that clip where he says, oh, yeah, and I've heard it before. So Then another car came into the shop, a 2010 Toyota Yaris. This was a no start, no crank, no start, did nothing. Turn the key, nothing happens. Dash lights lit up. They, um, And it's a sad story in a sense because the young man that owns it's an EMT in the next town over, nice young man, and he was trying to install flashers. He's an emergency medical technician. He was trying to make his headlights flash in the event of an emergency call. And in the process of working on it, they got an emergency call, so he started the car, moved it over so they could get the ambulance out. And came back from the service call, the emergency call an hour later, went to start the car, and it wouldn't start. No crank, no start, no click, no nothing. They took it to a repair shop in town there, and they were told, because we have the snap-on virus and we can diagnose anything, that we've diagnosed your car that it has a bad immobilizer key, the key for the immobilizer, which cuts off the injection if the wrong key is inserted, sort of an anti-theft measure. And it has a P1604 fault, a mobilizer key not recognized. So it either needs a key or you blew up the computer, kid, because you were wiring in the lights while you were trying to work on it with the key on and the engine off. So it ended up on my doorstep because this nice young man's mother knows what I do and she knew I could fix it. And I have to tell you, I wasn't quite sure what I could do, but I said, gee, I can't do any worse. And, um, you know, someone once told me you can't make it any more broken. It's already broken. You can only go up from there. So I took on the challenge of this 2010 Toyota Yaris that everybody had sort of had their hand in, and I wasn't disappointed when I lifted the hood. There was spaghetti everywhere. There were wires everywhere under the hood of this car, and kind of rattled me a little bit down to my shoes. But as my boss way back when in the gas station always told me, he said, you know, you always start a diagnosis at the beginning. You always begin at step one, regardless. That's what you're going to be trained to do, and that's what I was trained to do. So I went through and I, I did the usual. In this case, in this 2010 Toyota, I scanned it for codes. It had a P1604, a mobilizer key circuit, or a mobilizer key not recognized. And I also went through and checked battery voltage. Standing battery voltage was 9.5 volts, under 10. Let me tell you why that's so important, in case you're wondering what I'm ranting about. All car computers need voltage. No mystery there. There's a minimum at which they will shut off and, and, and start to do funny things. Well, this one, for whatever reason, because of his wiring job, perhaps he left lights on when he went out on the emergency call, whatever it was, under 10 volts on a Toyota, especially on this Yaris, the PCM won't be able to turn on the starter. And when I thought about it, I said, wait a minute, this isn't an immobilizer problem because on a Toyota, on this particular car, it's not an immobilizer fault if the engine doesn't crank. It will crank. It won't start because the injectors have been shut off. And I realized that I had been partially led astray by listening to another shop's diagnosis, thinking that, yeah, it's a mobilizer, and I realized very quickly, no, it's not. This is a traditional won't-crank-won't-start diagnosis. Gee, why won't that happen? Started going through the starter circuit. The starter solenoid on this particular car is energized through a fuse out to the PCM down to the starter. Looked at the fuse. There's a row of fuses underneath the underhood fuse block, in this particular Toyota, there's 10 fuses or there's 10 slots in the underhood fuse block, one through 10 of which eight are used, and they're all there. And the 30 amp I wanted in position nine 
Yep, that 30 amp is good. Wait a minute. That's not in position 9. That's in position 10. There's nothing in position 10. How could the fuse get up and walk? How could it go from this spot to that spot? Oh, it can't be this easy. Took the fuse out of position 10 that I just installed it back in and then realized it was wrong and put it in position 9. Now, I had been charging the battery in the meantime, knowing that sooner or later this car was going to require a battery with voltage. And imagine the surprise on my face when I got in, turned the key, and the car started right up. You see, the bottom line becomes that not everything is as it appears, but everything needs to be diagnosed from a good basic starting point. And it's not the scan tool that fixes the car. The repair shop that bought a Snap-on Virus that, you know, Snap-on says anybody can use this tool to fix the car. Uh, you can spend ten grand. You can spend two grand. I use the launch scan tool. Fifteen hundred bucks. Guess what? I still fix the car, and it's because I was trained properly. It's because I was educated properly, and because I applied that education. And I think I've earned the right to say that. That it's not the scan tool that makes the mechanic. It's the mechanic that makes the scan tool. And in the case of the Hyundai with the wine, remember the that's just common sense. You know, why wouldn't you take the belt off? If, if you're chasing a noise that's coming from the belt area, why wouldn't you break it down into its simplest component? Because isn't that what a diagnosis is? Aren't you supposed to break something down to as small a level as possible and find out how that component works and if indeed that component is working properly? So remember this when you go into your repair shop and you say, hey, can you fix my car? Yeah. And it's not about, hey, I've got this one scan tool that does everything. The right question is, A, are you smart enough to come in out of the rain? Because I think that's probably a tough question for a lot of people in the world today. And the second is, how many scan tools do you own? Because owning just one doesn't make it anymore. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. The phone number is 855-560-9900. We have a packed two-hour show today. We really do. We're going to talk to, uh, we're going to, talk to Jerry Ostalecki. From Gibbs, we've got an email here from a listener from Anthony out in Chicago, our uh, friend Anthony Emilio, the retired Chicago PD, who I think we're turning him on to Car Doctor Products. He wrote a nice letter to the folks at Gibbs about his vinyl garage door and siding and how Gibbs works on that. We want to talk to Jerry about that. And it's always nice to talk to Jerry up there, Michigan way. He always tries to convince us that Gibbs makes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches taste better. But um, in reality, it's a great penetrant and a great lubricant. We just want to talk to him about that. And uh, we're also going to be talking to... I think it's Hugh Grant, I think is the gentleman's name, from Drew Technologies in the second hour about J2534 flashing and uh, all that that's about and how the average any repair shop can reflash vehicle computers today. It's not as specialized a task as it once used to be, and Drew Technologies is helping make it better. And we also reached out to Harlan Siegel. How can I not talk to Harlan Siegel from launch this week, especially after the Toyota Yaris, but more importantly, some conversation. We've gotten a, more than a few emails about launch scan tools, consumers looking for them, and some of the perks. And we thought we would talk to Harlan one-on-one as we uh, get ready. Is he getting ready? He's going to SEMA in a couple of weeks, and he can talk about new product and features and things like that. So it's a scan tool, OBD2, Gibbs, answer your questions, emails, phone call, car doctor kind of show today. And uh, that's just what we're going to do. I'm Ron Anany and the car doctor, and I will be back right after this, and we'll kick the garage doors open.
Out of my head, more likely. Ron and Annie and the car doctor here as we uh, talk about cars this week. It was really um, uh, just just so amazing on that Yaris. I still think about that car to go with the fuse, and it started. And, and then the part that the owner said to me, he goes, but how could a fuse keep the car from starting? And I had to explain to him, and I took him a little under my wing, and yeah, I know, Tom's looking at me, and he's saying, come on, really? I'm like, yeah, you know, the the, the problem is that nobody mentors young kids today. And it was funny. He had taken, and I know we have calls. I'll get to them in a minute. One second. I'm sorry for if you're on hold. Um, he had taken coils of wire to put the headlights. He wanted to make his headlights flash, and he wrapped it around in coils on various parts of the car. And I said, you know, if you're not careful, you're going to make a giant electromagnet. If you wrap the coils of wire around the steel and then pass voltage through it at some point, you're going to magnetize something. And on a computer car in the wrong situation, and he's like, really, that'll make a magnet? And I'm thinking, didn't you take 10th grade science? He goes, oh, yeah. I go, what did they teach you? He goes, not that. I mean, gee whiz, I remember 10th grade science. We were learning about electromagnets and all sorts of neat things. And Mama High School is probably still reeling from the time I put the two chemicals together that they said, don't mix these two. And I went, oh, you mean like this? <clears throat> and uh, smoked out the place. But that's, I don't know. I don't know what they're teaching kids in school today. But uh, you know what? You still got to, you need to be very smart to be a mechanic, I think, to be good at it. And uh, I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying I follow procedure, and that's the most important thing. Let's get over and talk to Eric on line one. Let's kick the garage doors open. Enough about me today. And uh, see what's going on here with this Pontiac vibe. Eric, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help you? And thanks for calling in from Racine, Wisconsin. Hi, Ron. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, I was listening to your story. You were talking about the gentleman that was in love with his Azuzu. Joe Azuzu. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And you were telling him that, you know, sometimes it's time to get rid of a car when you can't get parts for it anymore. And um, I got to thinking about my Vibe. It's probably been one of the best vehicles I've ever had. Um, It still looks like it came off the showroom floor. The paint is flawless on it. Um, it's got 80,000 miles on it. I've done nothing but maintenance and brakes on it. And I'm thinking about spending $500 on tires for the winter, but you got me thinking, should I do that? Is it time to get rid of the car? Because it's a Pontiac and, you know, they don't make Pontiacs anymore. Well, you know, they don't make Pontiacs anymore. But, you know, I think the other side of that is that, you know, that really came from Toyota as well. Isn't there a Toyota version of the Vibe? Isn't it the Matrix, I think? Um, is exactly. That the, is that the car? Yes, that's the car I'm thinking of. I would say no, it's not time to get rid right. of it. It's, 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 it's good to consider it. Here's why it's not time to get rid of it. You can still get parts in some form or another for that vehicle. The Isuzu, did you hear the whole comment about the Isuzu? I wasn't making that up. If you want to purchase parts right. for an Isuzu from Isuzu, not only do you have to go down there and pay cash, at least that's the way it works around our neck of the woods, you have to go down there and pay cash, okay? But you have to wait for the parts to show up, and if they never show up, oh, well. If the parts show up and they're wrong, oh, well. If the parts show up and they don't work, oh, well. And if the parts show up and they go bad in two months, oh, well. Order some more. So, you know, vibe. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. It just... Listen, why don't we just, you know, why don't we put Isuzu in, in, in charge of the government because they would probably be just as efficient as running that business as well. Uh, you know, <laughs> the Pontiac is, is a much different animal. There are parts available for it. 
I wouldn't get rid of the Pontiac for that reason. I'll tell you the one reason why I would get rid of a Pontiac vibe. I'm not picking on you. I'm just okay. You know, as long as we're being one on one here today, right? Which is okay. Is how do right. you how do you right. clean that back window? Isn't that the car with the back window that the uh, with the glass? Am I thinking of the right Pontiac? Doesn't that have the crazy back hatch that the yeah. glass is just really? It's always dirty. You can't keep that back window clean, can oh. you? Oh, but it lifts up, and it's really nice because you can pop up just the window by itself. Right. Here's yeah. The, well, here's the most. Yeah, I know. I know. I have, I have no problem with that. All right. Well, if you can get past that, then I say keep it, um, because you know what? You, you're not going to get a whole lot for it. And if all that car needs to get through the winter is tires, then frankly, right. y- you know what? You've done your maintenance. You've done your due diligence. Spend the five hundred dollars. Let the car let the clock start counting. If you get two months out of the car, that paid for the tires right there because two fifty a month is an easy car payment, and anything after that is gravy. But if the engine failed, yeah. if the engine failed tomorrow, then I'd probably hold off and think about you know replacing the vehicle. That's not that's not something I think is practical. Unfortunately, yeah. and I, I guess it's a sign of the times. When I started this radio show 25 years ago, the expression was it's cheaper to keep her. Uh, today, it's cheaper to keep her as long as you can get parts for it. The company hasn't gone out of business. The car hasn't been recalled. And the people manufacturing the car originally still manufacture parts for it somewhere on this side of this part of the planet. And that really is how I well, look at I, it. I'm still waiting on that airbag recall that I've had for two years, and they don't have a fix for it yet. Well, listen, don't hold your breath. I just finally, uh, real quick, and then I'm going to go. We had an 02 Grand Cherokee at the shop since, and I don't like to do dates on radio because sometimes we play these shows back at other times. We've had the the car in the shop since September 2nd. It needs an airbag module. It's under airbag recall from Chrysler since March. Cute little old lady. We want to do it for her. We want to send it out to the dealer for her so she doesn't get sold the world so the service writer can't buy lawn furniture on his commission. And um, not only is the part not available, they haven't even assigned a part number to it yet. So um, remains to be seen. Eric, I appreciate the call. You call us in the spring. Let us know how you enjoyed your vibe all winter long. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the in the car, Doctor. Rolling along here at 855-560-9900. I should point out that 855-560-9900 is the car doctor's toll-free 24-7 number. You can call that phone number, 855-560-9900, anytime, day or night. This show is live out on the affiliates uh, Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, and some do take it on uh, delayed broadcast. And uh, perhaps you're listening via podcast or iHeart or iTunes Radio, where we also have podcast capability. And if you leave a message at 855-560-9900, Fast Harry will call you back and get you in queue and get you up here on air. So catching us live is not the only way to talk to us. If you want to get your car problem solved, you call that 855-560-9900 anytime, day or night, leave a message, and we'll get you up here in queue. You know, we try to reach out and we try to be very proactive with all of you we we really appreciate all the emails and the comments and the facebook posts and everything else we try to get to each and every one of you and while we may miss one or two along the way and we're sorry understand the volume that we're dealing with 
Uh, recently got an email from Anthony Emilio. He's our retired Chicago PD listener out in Park Ridge, Illinois, and he wrote, Hey, I heard about your product on the car, Dr. Ron and Annie, and this is a copy of what he sent to the folks over at Gibbs. I ordered six cans on the net. Well, I found a new use for Gibbs, my vinyl garage door and siding. The installer said to use WD-40, but Gibbs works much better, and my garage is protected, and it looks great. It's my all-around protectant and lubricant. If only the government works so well. Thanks, Anthony Emilio, Park Ridge, Illinois. And uh, you know what? It just kind of jostled my brain a little bit. I said, I haven't talked to Jerry, Uncle Jerry, as we call him here, but Jerome Ostalecki, as his uh, Facebook given name is, and we've got him on the line with us to talk to him about Gibbs and all sorts of things. Jerry's always good for a good time. Mr. Ostalecki, how are you today, sir? I'm fine, Ron. How about yourself? Oh, not bad at all. How's things out Detroit way? Uh, I think we're starting to get a change of seasons here. Yeah. Got a little nippy today. Yeah, a little cold. Um, yeah, but so we'll survive. Did you uh, Did you happen to go to the Woodward Cruise this year? Uh, yes, I did, sir. How was That's it? It's one of my must-dos every year. Yeah, how was it? Excellent, as always. Yeah. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. If it's got wheels and rolls, you'll see it there. Yeah. So I, I imagine so, and... Uh, were you out? Were you out in the middle of the boulevard handing out cans of Gibbs to everybody? I would have loved to, but unfortunately, I don't have your kind of money. Well, there you go. You know, listen. If I if I had your money, I'd throw mine away. Um, I know. Uh, tell me about Gibbs, Jerry. You know, it's it's tell the tale here for the listeners that are new to it. Where did Gibbs come from, and just what exactly is it? It started out uh, a guy named uh, Paul Gibbs uh, came up with this formula back. Uh, a number of years ago, and he had it in little two-ounce drip bottles. And the problem being is he couldn't find a aerosol can valve that would contain the product, so they put it in an aerosol can, and by God, it would leak out. So after much research, trial and error, they came up with an aerosol valve on a can that would contain the product, and they started making it available in 12-ounce aerosol cans, and it comes in a 12-ounce case. And you can use it on anything. I... Uh, and when we it's say anything, for, like, for example, you know, everybody thinks this is an automotive show. So, sure, there's tons of automotive applications. But it was well, it was fascinating. It works. It, 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 they use it on guns. It's, it's one of the biggest things they use it on is, is, is taking care of weapons, correct? Yes, it is. Uh, in fact, uh, there was a large shipment of um, Gibbs that went to uh, Iraq through a, uh, distrib- you know, a uh, military supply company. They wanted it out into Iraq, so I provided them with uh, a substantial amount of Gibbs to send out to the troops and keep everything uh, running good. Now, what, one of the things that it will not do is uh, catch fuzz bunnies and dust up and whatnot, right. so it doesn't uh, gum up. Right. So when you get in a harsh environment, you know it's uh, quite the quite the item. It, it, also, it's good for fishing gear. It's around the house. Uh, one of my first uses. We had a sliding glass um, uh, shower door in our uh, bathroom, and it was really sticky. And I first applied some Gibbs to it, and I forgot to tell my wife. And Uh-oh. she put her whole 102 pounds behind it and damn near drove the glass door through the wall. Yeah. yeah. So now every time I give something, I have to tell her, hey, I put some Gibbs on it. Watch out. You know, it's going to open and close pretty easy. And like my daughter, now her kids... She won't put Gibbs on their door lo- uh, door hinges on her bedrooms because she wants to hear them when they try to sneak out at night. Well, I can understand that. To go get to the refrigerator, yeah. or, you know, go get get back on the computer. Right, I could I could understand that. You know, one of my favorite uses for Gibbs is spraying it on aluminum pieces like intake manifolds and 
how it preserves them and keeps them looking fresh. Yeah, yeah that it does also. It's very good for bare metal surfaces. Uh, it'll prevent the uh, fingerprints that you get on it from touching it when your oils from your skin get onto the metal. Uh, a new uh, supply chain that I've gotten involved in is uh, people that do media blasting on vehicle bodies. Uh, they coat the car down with Gibbs immediately after the blasting, and it can sit at the shop no matter how long before the owner picks it up and takes it over for his uh, next step in the right. process and paint. Well, because, you know, one of the things <clears throat> I've, I've learned with Gibbs is it, it, there's a lot of lubricants, and we can mention it, but I've, I've experienced with WD-40 and some of the other things out there. They spray on, they're a lubricant. But the one thing with Gibbs is there's a cling property to it, correct? It'll, 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 it it yeah. gets into the porosity of the metal and, and, and stays there. It doesn't wash off like everything else does. Am I correct? Correct. You are 100% correct. It uh, is molecularly absorbed into the material and becomes one with the surface. Yeah. And uh, that's one of its strengths, and you can paint over it, which, you know, that raises a lot of eyebrows. But I have had parts that I painted in 2003 that are still looking like they just came. I just painted them, right. you know, the underhood bracketry and things for the different cars. And, uh, but, you, again, you want to do your metal prep as per your painting instructions. Sure, yeah, sure. I mean, no. I wouldn't say to you, Ron, spray your part with Gibbs, and then with the next breath, say, Ron, grab your rattle can and give it a coat of uh, gloss black, because that's right. not going to happen. Right, that's not going to work. Uh, no. You know. No. By the way, got to set and set up. Good, good choice. Give it some time, wipe it down, keep it dust free, do your tack rag. You know, a couple of days later, and go at it. Yeah, you know, in, in the ten, twelve years you and I have been talking back and forth on radio, I always go back in my mind when we have these conversations to the snow plows. You know, I. I, I have a snow plow i plow the truck i plow the shop with the big plow truck and i and i plow the house because uh, you know it's just I, I just i don't have time to do anything else but um, i want to keep my stuff open in the snow and i've been gibbsing is that a word i've been gibbs protecting yeah i've been doing a gibbs size um to the snow plow ever since and uh you know what the thing still looks brand new because the yeah. it, it doesn't rust and i think it kind of you know it's funny when i go out for coffee and this is what generates i start thinking of you because I'll be, I'll be there at the at the coffee shop and you know there's seven plow guys and everybody's got a plow on and it's rusty corroded falling off beat up and here i pull in with this plow that's 10 years old it looks you know it's all shiny red oh, like yeah. it's brand new and they're like oh look a new guy no i've been doing this a while i just you know <laughs> i gives my plow and they look at me and they go you do what i go i gives my plow it it's yeah. the snow falls off easier but, um, you know, neither. It also works on lawnmowers. I have a lot of people that use it on their riding mowers to undercoat their deck, to yep. treat their deck. And then when they need to uh, get out the clumps and things that tend to accumulate under your mower deck, just take the hose to it and it's gone. Right, yeah. Cuts down right. on their maintenance time. Hey, listen, by the way, I, I apologize. I think it was your birthday recently, wasn't it? Am I correct? Did I see that? Yeah, that was uh, yeah, another one on another Another notch on the belt. Yeah, another trip around the planet. But you're still, but you're That's not for sure. You're you're not that old of a guy. You still have the hot rod, right? Of course. Yeah, tell me about oh, yeah, that I still real have quick. My uh, Paxton equipped '66 uh, Mustang. Yeah, and you'll probably never get rid of that, right? That's the car. Uh, that's the baby. Yeah. I've uh, searched far and wide for that car, and when I found it, it uh, I've, I've been to other states. I've been all over the country looking for that stink, silly car. And as luck would have it, guess what? I found it in the in a town two two over from me. Yeah, that's always the way it works, isn't it? Yeah, that's always the way it so, works. Um, hey, listen, since I you're got a, it in the garage, I got it in the stable, and uh, 
that's where it stands. Yeah, listen, you're, you're so good at finding cars. If you, if you happen to stumble across a 72 Chevy Monte Carlo, I've got my eye out for one, so uh, you keep me in mind. Hey, listen, if the listeners want more information about Gibbs, Jerry, where can they get it? They can go to www.getgibbs.com. Gotcha. That's getgibbs.com. And also, as an offer to your listenership and your, your fans on the radio and on the web, uh, I'm offering a free gift to anyone that mentions Car Doctor in their order form. Now, as you go through the PayPal processes, which I use, there's a, an area where you can, towards the end of your purchase, you can add comment. And if you get to that point, add Car Doctor, and I will send you yeah, very a generous nice little you. gift, a little token of uh, my appreciation for your support of Gibbs and uh, for Ron's support. Well, we, and we, this we, will go on through the year 2015. Well, listen, we appreciate your support of the Car Doctor these many years, and uh, we're glad to have you behind the scenes helping us bring this information out to the public. Um, and always a good My time, pleasure, Ron. Always a good time talking to you, Jerry. I mean that we kid around a lot, but uh, um, always a good time talking to you, sir. Hey, listen, you go have a that, good rest of the is. afternoon, all right? Okay, buddy. Thank you. Take good care, Jerry. Jerry Ostalecki, folks. Get Gibbs, getgibbs.com. Always a pleasure. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the Indian the Car Doctor rolling along at 855-560-9900. Let's get over and talk to Bob Nanuet, New York, 2007 Toyota Matrix. Hi, hi. Hey, Bob. Hey, how are you, sir? Ron. How are you? Good. How can I help you? Well, I, I had a problem with my CD player in my yeah. Matrix. Okay. It was jammed on me, so what I did is removed it from, you know, the car. Right. Cleared the jam, put it back in. The AM, FM, the radio, everything will work. But when I go to push where it says disc... It, it will not read disk. Okay. I was just wondering if there's a code or anything that no. I have to put in. There's no, there's no coding for that, and if the radio is working, then I would say the problem is internal in the tape deck unit itself. Uh, let me just ask you two quick questions, Bob. Does the dome light still work? Uh, yeah, inside the car? Yes. Uh, as far as I know, yeah, I'll have to okay. check that. Okay. And, and the cigarette lighter still works, right? Uh, well, yeah, because I use it for uh, you know utilities. Yes. Right. So, because those those are the only two fuses involved in that circuit for those components, and one of them is radio, one of them is CD. I don't remember offhand which goes which way, but uh-huh. but if both of those are working, then we can safely say that it has power. We could verify ground for the CD, but it's all part and parcel of that same component plug for the radio. So unless you missed something, something's not plugged in. Provided all power grounds and components are plugged in properly, I would say it's an internal failure of the CD player. So right, what, what you're going to have to do is I would either tell you to go online or stop by your local Toyota dealer and ask them where do they send out their stereos and, and electronics to be repaired, and mm-hmm. you can you can send it out and have it overhauled for, I'm going to say, $200 or less, depending oh, upon okay. what's broken as an educated guess. Uh, you, you don't want to go and try and purchase that new. I've, I've learned the hard way over the years that factory radios are frightfully expensive but uh you know there are there are usually repair facilities that the dealers the manufacturers are are using 
to uh, okay. to repair their stuff. All Let's right, see sir. What 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 it does is, it, in other words, I'll I'll push. I'll push, uh, you know, eject, okay, and it'll come back and tell me, you know, that it's empty. Right. So then when I push load, you know, it'll it'll blink, okay, and then it'll shoot back over to the radio. Right. Yeah, so it's not it's not seeing, maybe the radio's not seeing the CD player. So at that point, like I said, verify you've got everything plugged in, verify that the dome light and the cigarette lighter both work because they are on that fuse for that particular componentry. And at that point, then it sounds like an internal component failure, and you've got to get the CD player checked out and verified. And you may want to send them the radio, too, just to see that the problem isn't in the radio since one talks to the other in order to give information back and forth so they can uh, they can work together and get the sound out. So appreciate the call, Bob, and uh, good hearing from you up there in Nanuet, New York. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anning in The Car Doctor, and I'm back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and the car doctor. Quick piece of, uh, well, actually, I don't know if this is email or a newspaper article. You know, I, I like to review the things that you send in to me uh, here, and we talk about it up on air. Uh, this comes to us again from Tony Emilio out in uh, Park Ridge, Illinois, our retired Chicago PD. And um, I like mentioning that. I like, um, you know what, I like to, uh, because then I get to say, you know what, thank you, Tony, for your service and for all the boys and girls in blue out there for all they do to protect us and uh, keep us safe on the highways. Um, and speaking of highways, Tony's article from the Chicago Tribune uh, a couple of weeks ago is uh, talks about mischief on the highway. All those country songs about lying, cheating spouses and honest, dependable pickup trucks may need to be revised. It turns out you can't trust your ride either. Last week, Ford recalled 37,000 new F-150s because they may slam on the brakes for no reason. The problem is a glitch in the high-tech cruise control, a fancy form of automatic pilot that detects slower cars in the front and reacts. The F-150s get confused when passing large, highly reflective trucks and think there's an obstacle in the lane ahead. I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. It's just, you know, it's what I've been saying all along, and, and Tony included that in a note. He said, Ron, it's exactly as you say. It's a computer on wheels. Um, one accident has been attributed to the phenomenon, blame unreliable software, which Ford said it can fix. And as this article points out, and I agree with it, the biggest reason we're thinking about computing power rather than horsepower now is it's probably because of the Volkswagen scandal. Well, let's face it, Volkswagen kind of opened our eyes. It was funny. I had a conversation this week uh, with a couple of German engineers for another company that uh, makes fuel cells, and they're telling me how... Uh, you know what, Ford, GM, and Chrysler all do the same thing as Volkswagen. They had, just haven't been caught yet. Yeah? Well, I think Ford, GM, and Chrysler have been under the microscope enough that by now they would have been caught. And um, it, you know what, you got to face up to it. Volkswagen got caught. But the point of this article, going back to that, is just it's the software. And it appropriately points out that the New York Times recently stated that a new high-end car, and we've said this before, contains 100 million lines of computing code and that there are 50 million lines of computing code in the Hadron Collider, you know, the the Atom Smasher. So, you know, stop and think about that. Something that's trying to find the the origins of the universe only has 50 million lines of code, whereas the device that you get in, sit in, go down to Starbucks for the cup of coffee in, has 100 million lines of code. You know what? They haven't been able to figure out the origins of the universe. It's a, it's a blessing cars run at all when you stop to think about the obstacles and the technology that's in front of them. So, uh, yeah, that's just crazy. Hey, this hour, the car doctor, I can tell by looking at the great Favag, is just about over. 
There's another hour to come on many of these affiliates if you happen to take it. We're going to be talking to the folks from Drew Technologies and Launch, so you want to stick around for that. But till the next time, I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya! See ya!